Welcome to Coffee Contrails. Today we have... Freddie Finn in the Catfish Burglar Matter. Written by... Thomas Troop. Attention, Marcellus Watkins. Care of First Tri-State Insurance, New York City. The following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Catfish Burglar Matter. It started on what had been a very pleasant evening with my very pleasant girlfriend. Freddy, wherever did you get this face? Oh, that little thing? From the Ming Dynasty. A casino owner in Macau gifted it to me a while back after I uncovered his wife's plot to double-cross him in some shady dealings with the local crime syndicate. Oh, goodness. Mr. Freddy Finn, you have the most interesting job. He taught me a Chinese epithet. May you live in interesting times. I get shot at and slugged far too often in my line of work. Worst of all, these far-flung investigations keep me from seeing you, my dear. A toast, then, to some less interesting times. For a little while, at least. Who could be calling you at this hour? I should answer. It's probably work. Freddy Finn. Better not be another woman, Freddy Finn. Fred, oh, thank heavens you're home. This is Marcellus Watkins, First Tri-State. You helped me out last year with that pension fund matter? Oh, yes. Of course. But, Marcellus... It's a school night. I'm sorry, Fred, but there's something strange going on, and I need an investigator I can trust. How would you like to make a quick commission on a $50,000 policy? 50000 you say? What was it? A garage full of European roadsters? Gold? Jewels? The best oven money can buy. I'm sorry, what? I think we've got a bad connection here. You're pulling my leg, Mark. I'm dead serious, Fred. The police are stumped. And I need your help to either recover it or find the perpetrators. I'm already paying out on five other robberies in the past week. This one might be the straw that breaks the camel's back. You can pad your expense account as much as you'd like. Huh? How could I refuse an old friend with a promise like that? Ah, oh, thank you, Fred. All right, take the first flight out here. Come by the office. I'll give you the details then. I'll be there with bells on. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-oh. Sometimes I think you love insurance investigation more than me. Lucinda wasn't particularly happy about me taking another job so quickly, but I promised a romantic weekend in New York once I solved the case. Item one on my expense report. $3.25. Cab fare from my apartment to O'Hare International Airport. Item two, 355 even, for the very last seat on a Pan American nonstop flight to New York. Item three, $1.10 for a bologna sandwich and coffee, to go, from Gluckstein's, next to the LaGuardia taxi stand. Item four, $2.15, taxi to the offices of First Tri-State Insurance. One problem. No Marcellus Watkins. Your secretary gave me a cup of coffee, and I thumbed through the yesterday's Brooklyn Eagle while waiting for your return.
I had just gotten to the article on a rash of robberies in the city when you walked past in a daze. To be honest, I smelled you before I saw you. Hey, Mark. Fred? Oh, Fred. How did you get here so early? N never mind, never mind. Step into my office. Irene, hold all my calls. I think I got here not a moment too soon. You look like something the cat dragged in. I haven't been sleeping well at all since this started. Let me hang up my coat and we can get down to business. Let me help you with that. Say, that's quite the interesting paperweight. It, it is quite the beautiful little clay pot, but what was it doing in my pocket? <laughs> maybe a secret admirer slipped it in there, you sly dog. Oh, maybe. Can't begin to imagine who, though. Fred, Fred be serious. Do you know the kind of stress I'm under? Can we please just get down to business? <laughs> of course. Give me the rundown about the robbery. The Wondercrest Bakery in Brooklyn. It's been a client of ours for years. Never made a claim. <laughs> the best kind of client. Yes, but this year they've been delinquent in their payments. We've been giving them the benefit of the doubt because of their long relationship with First Tri-State. Recently, they've taken out some serious loans to get a state-of-the-art oven in a last-ditch effort to regain market share. Two nights ago, just after the installation crews left, it vanished. A whole oven? How big we talking about here? Well, big. According to the manufacturer's information, it weighed over a ton. And no one on shift that night saw or heard anything suspicious. The factory floor was shut down while the concrete was setting. They were going to fire the ovens up first thing in the morning. The only person there at the time was the night watchman. He says he was making his rounds and nothing was amiss. I've heard that one before. Maybe he was asleep. Or maybe he's in on this caper. Tell me more about the financial angle. Well, the owner is broke. This new equipment was going to make him competitive again. So, someone conveniently steals the only thing that could save them, forcing a sale. Or, the owner has finally decided to retire and sell the company, faking the theft and pocketing an extra 25000 on the way out. Maybe even parts out this oven through a fence, or sells it for scrap. That's what I'm afraid of. Like I said on the phone, this payout might be the one that finally bankrupts us. And not to worry, Marcellus. I'll get to the bottom of this. I've been working with Sergeant Fushili at the 25th Precinct. He's investigating all of the robberies my clients have claimed. I'd go with you, but I have a meeting with Union Chemical that simply cannot be delayed any further. It seems all my clients want assurances in person that I can cover their accounts. Oh, if this day couldn't get any worse, I just had this coat dry cleaned. Without further ado, you saw me to the door. And as you headed off to Union Chemical, I walked the six blocks to drop off my overnight bag at the Brownstone Arms. Item five, $1.15 for a cab to the 25th Precinct Headquarters. And a meeting with Sergeant Andrea Fushili. Generally speaking, giant machinery strapped to concrete floors and brick walls don't just vanish into thin air. You seem like a bright boy, Finn. I'm not too proud to ask if you have any ideas. Uh, not yet. I suspect I'll get some clues one way or another when I let Wondercrest know that I don't come bearing checks. 
Well, just so you know, you won't be dealing with the old man Van Houten. I guess he's sick or something. One of his sons came down from Boston to take care of things in the meantime. The kid acts like he sat in a shovel, but uh, I guess I can understand, given the circumstances. Mr. George, the night watchman, however, our boys had him under the lights for a few hours, and either he's one of the most accomplished liars we've had the pleasure of hosting, or the heaviest sleeper. Hmm. One other thing, Sergeant. Mr. Watkins mentioned that he's having to pay out an unusual number of robberies lately. Yeah, these things tend to happen in waves, but this has been unusual. The perps that have hit his clients were very particular about what they took. No cash, no real valuables, even the diamond thieves left behind the real high-grade stuff. Think it's a cover to obfuscate the theft of something truly valuable? Uh, it's possible. Or someone really has it out for Mr. Wallace and access to his files. And if I borrow your map, Sergeant? Be my guest. What's on your mind? <laughs> so this pin represents Wondercrust. Mm-hmm. This one is Magnuson's Automotive Repair Station. Yeah. And this right here is Matrelli Plumbing. Right here is Edmunds, Edmunds Department Store. Say. That's right, Sergeant. All of these robberies have taken place in the past week, within five blocks. All with Wondercrust at the center. With the sergeant's blessing, I headed over to do my own investigation at the scene of the crime. That's item number six on my list. Fifteen cents for one subway token. Ten minutes later, I was ushered into the office of Roderick Van Houten Jr., president of Wondercrust. In his absence was Roderick Van Houten III. He was a young man, maybe in his mid-twenties hunched over an enormous old oak desk, comparing the lines of figures in three separate ledgers. Dark circles were under his eyes that didn't turn away from the numbers when he finally spoke. Mr. Finn, please have a seat. I'll be right with you. I trust you brought my check. Your check? I'm sure you mean Wondercrust's check. Wondercrust will likely become my sole responsibility by the end of the week. The shock of the robbery and all that implies caused a stroke. The doctor has my father on a breathing machine. You have my condolences. But I'm not a delivery boy. I'm an investigator here on behalf of First Tri-State. My job is to get to the bottom of what happened here. Join me in a drink, Mr. Finn. Uh, no thanks. Not while I'm on the clock. Ah, vile stuff. Would you believe that I hadn't had my first taste of hard liquor until two days ago? I gained an appreciation of how trying to keep this factory afloat drove my father to drink. How long did he run this place? My father came to America after the Great War with nothing more than a shirt on his back and an underage bride. The American dream and all that nonsense. He started here as a delivery driver, and then ten years later, he was president. If we wanted to see him, this is where we'd come. The factory was all that mattered to him. He didn't even shed a tear when Reuben died in Korea. I'll rephrase my question then. Who would want to sabotage Wondercrust? I should be at the top of that list. I've hated this accursed place from the moment I was born. You will please excuse me, Mr. Finn. I should admit that this is not my first drink of the afternoon. We should be discussing business rather than having a therapy session. Hmm. Please, go on. Bread making is actually a very cutthroat business. Did you know that? My father has been resisting buyouts for years. Pure stubbornness, of course. The baby boom put the factory deep into the black, but it has slowly faded towards oblivion since then. 
Maybe one of our competitors smells the blood in the water. Or we missed a protection payment to the Mafia. I understand that the oven was the last gambit to save the company. State of the art. Yeah. So far as I know, we were actually the last factor in the area to upgrade to this model. Let me ask a different question then. If I had come through that door with a check from First Tri-State, what would you do with all that money? Mathematics happens to be my strength. Selling outright to Bakerite, combined with our insurance claim, would be just enough to pay off the plant's debts and cover payroll. Assuming that he perishes, my father's life insurance will cover him for my mother, at least until I can finish my dissertation. I'll take note of that in my report. I may have additional questions for you later, but for the moment, I'd like to take a look at the side of the oven and talk with the watchman who was on duty that night. Sarah, would you be so kind as to summon the shift supervisor and look up the address of Jonas George, please? I was introduced to Andrea Santiago, the night shift supervisor for Wondercrest's production floor. He was a middle-aged man, more than a head shorter than me, round as a barrel, but with the thick arms and legs born from a lifetime of manual labor, and a very impressive mustache. I traded my fedora for a hard hat, and he escorted me to the scene of the crime. Marcellus, in my career as an insurance investigator, I've dealt with my share of robberies. But this was a first. The only sign that remained of the industrial oven was a few holes in the old brick wall and sadly dangling pipes, vents, and wires. This had the hallmarks of a professional job and must have required a team. But who and why? If Roderick Van Houten III was telling me the truth, there was a strong financial as well as personal motive to destroy the company to return to his studies at the university. But he claims the theft is what brought him back here. Was it really some elaborate plan he hatched to get revenge against his father and destroy the thing he cared about most, and then reap the financial benefits? Did he suggest himself as a suspect just to try to throw me off the trail? That'd be one of the more convoluted plots I've unraveled. Then again, maybe he thinks he can outsmart us all. After checking out the production floor, Andrea led me through the loading dock and into the alley. As you can see, this is the only door big enough to take that oven in and out of our factory. Unless, of course, they had a whole mob of guys with cutting torches. But old Jonas said he didn't hear a thing. Hmm. Jonas George, the night watchman. The same. And Mr. Finn, don't spare a moment to think he's lying either. I've worked alongside the man for 20 years. I trust him with my life, and I take his word over the Pope. All the same, I'll be talking with him to get his side of the story. Who do you think is responsible for what happened? The stinking Reds, that's who. They want to hit us where it really counts. The dinner table. Mark my words, Mr. Finn. What's this flatbed doing here? This illustrious piece of Detroit steel is our bread delivery method for the time being. Looks like something left over from the war. Army surplus? You called it, Mac. Chevy G506. One and a quarter ton prime mover. I drove one of these back and forth across France. It handled like a pregnant hippopotamus. 
thank God I'm not the guy who has to get it around Brooklyn. This alley is pretty narrow. The truck was here the night of the robbery? Yeah. We always park overnight and load up around 5 in the morning and start making our deliveries at 6. Of course, like I said, they will have a hard time. She's been parked here since she arrived on Tuesday. We haven't made any deliveries this week since our supplier cut us off on account of having spent all our money on an oven that which we no longer possess. This is kind of an odd choice for a bread delivery truck, isn't it? The old GMC we've been using for years gave up the ghost, as fate would have it, the day that the new oven was delivered. For all his faults, old man Van Houten could talk an Eskimo into selling his pelts during a blizzard. You mean he bought the truck it was delivered on as well? Yeah, and a couple of my guys painted up in Wondercrust Daffodil before the end of their shift that night. You mean this yellow? Daffodil. Daffodil. And this truck hasn't moved since it delivered the oven. No reason to, as, like I said, on account of no bread being made and thus no deliveries. Then how do you explain this damage on the passenger side? It looks about level with your loading dock. I'd personally wring the neck of the joke responsible, but take a look for yourself, Mr. Finn. Not a trace of daffodil paint on your dock. So a delivery company installs a piece of equipment and then steals it back the same night. It's not outside the realm of possibilities. I retrieved my hat and headed down the long alley towards the street in between the warehouses and office buildings, looking for any sign of damage. It was a long shot, of course, but just before the end of the alley, I saw it. Damaged wood and that distinctive yellow. Check that. Daffodil. The daffodil of the Wondercrust brand. This was the loading dock the truck had brushed against. Crouching down, I could make out the faint remnants of big tire treads in the dried mud. Just as I thought. The truck stopped here and then reversed back to the factory. I hoisted myself to the top of the dock and saw the smoking gun. Fresh bright scrape marks on the exposed concrete. Telltale signs that something heavy was dragged here, and recently. They led right under a big pair of thick, rusted doors. Yep, locked tight. I started off to find the front of the building. The sound of something moving behind me in the alley startled me into action. I was being watched. A big pair of glowing yellow eyes stared back at me from the shadows of the dumpster. Instinctively, I reached for my pistol, and then returned to reality, where I don't pack heat like some hard-boiled radio gumshoe. Hey, fella. I don't suppose you saw anything strange around here the other night. Oh, well, it was worth a shot. Then my heart skipped a beat. This job was turning out to be bad for my health. But for the owner of the hand draped on the pavement between the dumpsters, maybe it had been worse. I crouched down for a closer look. Whew. Hard plastic. The hand had come from a mannequin. In the dumpster was a large roll of carpet containing the rest of the dummy. What had this guy done to run afoul of the mob, I wondered. The carpet had an odd smell, but somehow familiar. Hmm. 
While I was distracted, the tomcat jumped from the dumpster to the ground and rubbed against my leg. But that shift in weight caused the lid of the dumpster to come crashing down, and it filled the alleyway with a cloud of dust. <coughs> yeah, not my finest hour. But the only witness thankfully scampered away. I had to steady myself. As I went around the corner, I felt a little lightheaded, almost wanted to pass out. I stumbled around the corner and braced against the wall. A young man, clean-shaven with a blank, haunted expression, closed the iron gate in front of the door. We made eye contact. Another enlightened soul has come to serve his master, I see. Uh, sorry? My name is Freddie Finn, insurance investigator. That's what you think you are, during the waking hours. But I can smell the influence the teacher holds over you. I'm, uh, investigating the theft of equipment from a nearby factory. Be gone with you. Return with a proper offering for the teacher. He stared at me while flipping around the clothes sign, then pulling down the shade and turned off the lights. I stood there for a moment in the unassuming entrance of this little building, the Brooklyn Museum of Human History, completely dumbfounded. This was quickly becoming the strangest case I had ever handled. Answers I needed to piece together the robbery were behind these doors. Maybe the sergeant could pull some strings downtown, or maybe I'd have to add a pair of bolt cutters to my expense report. But there were other leads to pursue first. My head cleared as I walked the three blocks to the Fig Grove Brownstone with the intention of questioning one Jonas George, night watchman of Wondercrust. I didn't make it past the building's super who was holding court in the lobby entrance. Marcellus, if the New York Giants ever find themselves short on offensive linemen this year, Vince Lombardi's prayers will be answered in the form of the building super of the Fig Grove. She was eight feet worth a woman, crammed into a mere six, and it also became incredibly apparent that she didn't like insurance investigators. Ugh. I picked myself up off the pavement, dusted myself off, and tried plan B. I hadn't had good luck with the back doors tonight, but I'm nothing if not an optimist. Making my way through the stinking alley between the brownstones, as fate would have it, an enterprising little urchin intervened. Hey, yourself. Oh, yeah? What's it to you, Junior? Item number seven. $10.25. Uh, let's just call this item a donation to this young man's neighborhood charity. And the cash value of my unopened pack of Chesterfields. To my credit, I talked him down from 20 Up the rickety iron ladder I went, and right through the living room, tipping my hat to the kid's bewildered mother on the way out of the front door. A few minutes later, I was in front of apartment 3F. Jonas George was a kindly looking old man, bald with a white beard, a department store Santa in a soiled undershirt and exhaustion writ large on his face. I don't know you. Another policeman here to laugh at me, perhaps? Mr. George, my name is Freddie Finn. Here are my credentials. I'm here on behalf of the Tri-State Insurance Company. Insurance? I'm sorry, son. I can't afford any insurance. I've just been fired from my job. Uh, you have my condolences. 
that's actually why I'm here. I'd like to ask you some questions about what happened Tuesday night at Wondercrust. <sighs> I already told the police I didn't hear anything or see anything unusual. I'm sure you think I'm either going senile or I'm on the take. But I don't care. Ask your questions and then leave me alone. All right, let's start with this one. When was the last time you had a decent meal? That had an immediate effect. Jonas looked like he hadn't eaten since that fateful night. It would go a long way towards gaining his trust and getting the information I needed. He put on a cleaner shirt, dusted off his jacket collar, and led me to Fat Andy's Diner. As you know, Fred, I'm a man of habit. I've eaten here nearly every night before starting my shift at Wondercrust. That's going on, uh, almost 20 years now. I guess I'll have to find a new job nearby, because otherwise I just don't know where I'd eat. The food's that good? A little melancholy crept back into his voice when the realization came back that his career was finished. I couldn't help but empathize. Who was going to hire a 60-something watchman who was made a fool by a gang of thieves that walked away with a one-ton oven? Item number eight. $11.38 for two Cokes, a patty melt for myself, and one Friday special for Jonas George. Fried fish. Here's your food, sir. And here you go, Jonas. You know we was all worried about you. Two days you didn't stop by for dinner? We thought maybe you died. Oh, I'm so sorry. Going through a bit of a rough patch this week, Melinda. But I'm truly touched. Truly. Well, you tell me if you need anything. You hear? You or your handsome friend here, Mr. Mr. Finn. Freddie Finn. At your service. Charmed, I'm sure. Mm-mm. You don't know what you're missing out on, Fred. This cod is pretty good tonight. I've got bigger fish to catch, if you don't mind the metaphor. I need to hear about your side of the story, about what happened Tuesday night. Honestly, there isn't much to say. Let me think. I stopped by here like I always do. Yes, I had the special, red beans and rice, then clocked in at eight. I patrolled as usual, but it started to rain. It had completely stopped by five when, when Raymond clocked in. He's the first shift watchman, you know. Actually, <laughs> it's funny. The plant was completely empty for most of the night. And then I came out of the toilet, and it was like everyone had suddenly arrived at once to flip the switch on the oven. Of course, by then it was gone. Wait, did you say you had red beans and rice on the night of the heist? Oh yes, I remember it fondly. It's one of uh, Andy's specialties. He's from New Orleans, you know. 
But according to this menu, that's the Monday special. Well, that, uh, that just can't be. I distinctly remember having beans and rice and going to the plant. Miss. Miss, excuse me. How's the food, sweetie? Monday's daily special was red beans and rice, and Tuesday was pork chops. That's right. And Wednesday was the pepper steak. Yesterday was the pea soup. And the weather. When was the last time it rained? Well, um, Monday night, of course. There I was, waiting for my bus. And skies open up like God had it in for Noah again. And when did it stop? Not until after I went home and went to bed. Sometime around noon, Tuesday maybe. Well now, that just can't be. It was raining and then it stopped. And that was uh, Tuesday night because... Sure, maybe the man was playing me for the fool. Maybe he was a criminal mastermind. But it seemed to me that he was missing 24 hours. And that didn't seem to affect his appetite. So I left Jonas at our table while I went to find a public phone. This case was turning odd. So logic dictates that I should turn to someone odd for help. Item 9. Five cents for a telephone call, followed by item 10. Two dollars and twenty-five cents for a cab to a very exclusive building on Manhattan's Upper East Side. Home of one Dr. Wakestoke, chair of the psychology department at Columbia University. <laughs> Doc, I didn't mean to impose. Those braying cattle in the living room are all friends of my wife. They bore me to no end. But you, Frederick, you, you create anecdotes worth telling. My only regret is that this time no one is shooting at us. Yes, well, variety is the spice of life. Now enough with the small talk, then. You have brought this elderly gentleman to my study for some purpose, right? A dose of good old hypnotism. Is this going to hurt? While the party continued in the main room, Dr. Wakestoke went to work on Jonas with nothing more than a gold pocket watch and the sound of his voice. When I snap my fingers, Jonas, you will find yourself in a deep sleep, but aware of our questions. It is done. Ask your questions, Frederick. Jonas, do you remember what happened on Tuesday night? Yes. Tell me about who stole the oven from Wondercrust. There were six of us working together. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Who were your accomplices? Oh, I never learned their names. But I know that fat man's face. And the girl was so pretty. And the teacher, of course. Teacher? Tell me more about him. Oh, he, he carries such a burden. And he'll be going back to where he belongs very soon. Yeah? Where's that? Among the superior minds. The teacher goes back among the superior minds. A university. Frederick, it's possible that this man has suffered a schizophrenic episode. No burden superior mind. 
that's returning to his university thanks to this caper. Right back to Boston. Jonas, tell me what happened in the bakery on Tuesday night. I've never seen anything so beautiful in my life. Teacher walked among us, guiding us with his boundless knowledge. I want to meet this teacher. Jonas, can you introduce me to him? I, I don't know. I only met him because of the accident in the museum. I knew it. You do tell, Frederick. The Brooklyn Museum of Human History. That's somehow the key to this caper. Oh, how deliciously ironic. The proprietor of that so-called museum has quite the reputation in my circle. Mr. Howard Phillip, a felled writer, among other things. The man is out of his gourd. I'm inclined to agree. Mr. Philip is known to skulk around curio shops in the city searching for the forbidden artifacts of heathen gods that will help to hasten the apocalypse. Oh, come on now. Do you mean to tell me that you haven't been perusing the antiquities yourself? All I've done all day is pound the pavement. With my feet and my face. You positively reek, my boy. Both of you, actually. I couldn't place that scent in town now, but this dust on your jacket? Hmm, yes, definitely some kind of fungal ergoline. The source of the visions for many oracles of old. Not so vulgar as the synthetic lysergic acid they're experimenting with at the university, for Uncle Sam. Yeah, well, I got it all over me while checking out the alley behind the museum. I thought it was just something harmless, like asbestos. With the amount on your clothes, it's a wonder you aren't wandering naked, barking at the moon, and conversing with honored dead. Maybe the exposure to the elements caused some decay. It was on some carpet in a dumpster. Maybe this accident involved an artifact that spilled the stuff. That explains the junk dumped in the alley. While Dr. Wakestoke and I talked, Jonas filled page after page with numbers and symbols. It looked for all the world like egghead rocket science math. Then he stopped writing and started talking again. Well, the, uh, the fat man comes to the factory, opens the jar, and shows me the way. Who, Jonas? Tell me his name. Who is the fat man? Who? Jonas, who is the fat man? Oh. I'm sorry, Fred. I must have fallen asleep for a moment. Absolutely fascinating. I've never seen anyone break out of a trance in such a manner. You did great, Jonas. You also wrote quite the novel there. Hmm. Oh. This is interesting, isn't it? I just started writing and I couldn't stop. My wrist hurts. Any idea what all this means, Jonas? I honestly have no idea. I never finished my schooling. Doctor? My forte is strictly in the psychological and the metaphysical, my boy. My wife balances the checkbook, but I could refer you to an expert in physics at Columbia. Uh, not necessary. I already know one physics expert that has a lot of questions to answer. I took the page and numbers and symbols the old man had scrawled, encouraged a reluctant Dr. Wakestoke to return to his party, and made my exit with Jonas. 
I had to get into Howard Phillips Museum and confront that PhD candidate and failed factory owner Van Houten with questions about whatever his ex-employee just wrote down while hypnotized. But not tonight. Item 11, same as 10, taxi fare to escort Jonas home. And item 12, $1.50 to get me back to the Brownstone Arms. I took a long shower, then laid in bed, going through the first few facts I had thus far. When sleep came, it was full of strange dreams, full of color and sound. Ugh, Friday Finn. Facility, 68th Precinct. Uh, uh, good morning, Sergeant. To what do I owe the pleasure? I just got in. Thought you might want to know that someone stole Wondercrust's truck overnight. Oh, that's wonderful. T-boned right at the intersection of the alley and the avenue. Any injuries? Oh, what's the saying? Uh, the Lord protects drunkards and idiots. The guy in the Nash has a busted arm. Meanwhile, the car's a scrap heap. The lady in the stolen bread truck hit her head in the window and they're checking her out at the hospital. Wait, did you say a woman stole the truck? Mm, she was driving it at the time. I'll leave the technicalities up to the detectives. Name's Mary Duckworth. Uh, she's a secretary at United Chemical in Sunset Park. Maybe not a coincidence that someone robbed United Chemical overnight. Any connection with the Van Houtens or Jonas George? Eh, we're working that angle, but no solid connection yet. Sergeant... Can you send a car over to pick me up? We need to talk. Mm -hmm. I had a feeling this would be enough to get you out of bed. A radio car will be in front of your hotel in 15 minutes. I think I set the world record for getting dressed in the dark. With the few minutes, I placed a call to you, Marcellus. Why on earth is this happening to my clients? I was just at Union Chemical yesterday. I remember. I'm going to the hospital to get some answers. I'll be in touch. The officers arrived right on time in the cold, dark pre-dawn and escorted me to the 68th Precinct office. Ben, you look like you could use some coffee. It's good coffee. Wondercrust is looking like an inside job. I have reason to believe that this was at least the second time that truck was taken out at night this week by an unskilled driver. There was nothing in the bed when it got wrecked tonight, so whatever Miss Duckworth took from Union Chemicals Warehouse is currently missing. Anything dangerous? They told me it was one truckload of, uh, nickel, platinum, some tanks of oxia, 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 oxyacetylene, welding gas. Yeah, that. And, uh, four barrels of something called heavy water. That sounds ominous. Speaking of, you ever heard of some criminal mastermind that calls himself the teacher? Uh, we can run it through R&I. Only one I can think of was an old Murder Incorporated guy that they called The Coach, but uh, he was found floating down in Prospect Park a couple of years ago. Uh, where'd you hear about your teacher? Jonas George kept referring to him last night under hypnosis. I also heard the name from the odd man who runs the museum down the block from the factory. Mm. I have reason to believe that the oven is in there, maybe along with other stolen items. Mm. This teacher, whoever he is, uses a combination of drugs and hypnotic suggestion to compel people to take part in his crime spree. I'm going to go to the hospital to see if Duckworth is in a state to answer some questions. You're welcome to tag along, Finn. United Chemical is another client of First Tri-State, so you better have a few questions of my own. I rode with the sergeant to Brooklyn Hospital and we paid a visit to room 212 and Miss Mary Duckworth. 
She was unconscious and a nurse was tending to her. The police officer standing guard exchanged some words with Sergeant Fushili. Mary was beautiful, a young, pale redhead. The thick bandages around her head and the bruise on her face may as well have been invisible because the serene smile on her lips shone like the sun rising through the hospital window. Sergeant, Mary, can you hear me? I did a good job, didn't I? You sure did, Mary. Who made you do it? I wanted to do it. Her teacher. Who is the teacher, Mary? Who's the teacher, Mary? Where can I find him? At the museum? He will leave soon. Go back to where he belongs. Back to Boston, I bet. What's that? A hunch. Van Houten says he's planning to return to finish his PhD once he sells Wondercrust. Van Houten? Van Houten? Mary seemed like a woman possessed, and motioning for the pad and paper that Fusili's bewildered officer was taking notes upon. He handed it to her, and Marcellus, this young woman frantically filled page after page of the little pad with the numbers and symbols. I couldn't make heads or tails of it, but it sure reminded me of what Jonas had written out just the other night. When she finished, it was like something flipped a switch. The sergeant and I caught Mary as she flopped back like a little rag doll and lapsed back into her smiling half-sleep. Fred, a word in the hallway. You were saying something before her little episode, Finn, implicating the Van Houten kid. Roderick said that his father was on his deathbed due to the shock of the robbery and final failure of the company. When he passes, the son will sell the plant outright and go back to finish his Ph.D., so you think he's this teacher that Mary Duckworth and Jonas George keep referring to? He'll be leaving soon to go back to where he belongs. I think he's behind this somehow. You saw how Mary reacted when his name came up. Yeah, she's hopped up on something. All the kids are these days. Look at this chart. Extreme exposure to unknown psychotropic compound. I'm willing to bet dollars to donuts that it's the same drug that was given to Jonas. I don't know if either of them being drugged will save them in court, but this poor girl is as likely to end up at Bellevue as she is in Rikers Island. I'm going to go have another talk with Van Houten. See if you can pull some strings on a warrant for the Museum of Human History. The owner won't let me come through the front door without something to offer to the teacher. Not going to happen, Fred. We're going to need more than the word of an old man under a trance and a pretty girl in a coma. But if you can get Van Houten to implicate himself, give me a call. I needed some breakfast to clear my mind. Item 13. $1.50 plus tip for a cup of coffee, toast, jam, bacon, two eggs. Poached. Item 14. 10 cents for a telephone call to your Frederick, office. It's all circumstantial right now. I'm going to the factory to confront him and see if I can uncover the evidence the police will need to arrest him. Try to recoup at least some of your losses. Roderick is at the family home today. He called me not half an hour ago to start the paperwork on the life insurance claim and transferring the policies on the factory. The father passed? Yeah, sometime last night. My secretary is drawing up the official paperwork right now. Mark, do you trust her? He's worked with me for the better part of a decade. 
I still don't quite know. But the way that your clients have been specifically hit sure looks to me more and more like an inside job. I do agree that it seems like I've been deliberately targeted, but Irene is beyond reproach. Hmm. No connection between her and Roderick Van Houten? Uh, romance under the guise of stealing client information? I think you're grasping at straws, Fred. Hmm. Maybe. I've seen it before, and I still believe that Roderick is the key to all of this. Going to the Van Houten home later to pay my respects and deliver the paperwork. Maybe we can talk with him together. Say, around 2.30? Yeah, let's do that. Do you have the address? And then they get hit on Tuesday. You visited Union Chemical yesterday, and a rogue employee robs them last night. It was a spur-of-the-moment thing. I wanted to make certain they had sufficient security, given what's been happening lately. What brought you to Wondercrust out of the blue on Monday, though? You just happened to be in the industrial corner of Brooklyn? The what? The traveling exhibition on ancient Babylon at the Museum of Human History. It's only here for a few weeks, and then it all returns to Mesopotamia forever. Marcellus, I think that the missing oven is stashed inside that museum. Based on the crash last night, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where we find United Chemicals drums, the Holderman diamonds, everything that's missing. Then it was settled. You and I would confront the devious mastermind behind the plot, together. Item 15, $1.25 for a taxi ride to Sheepshead Bay and the Van Houten home. The house must have been impressive when it was first built, but time and neglect had taken a toll. It seemed to sag under the weight of the morning fog and was itself in mourning of the passing master. By three, I decided to make my move. Mr. Finn, we are in mourning. Unless you have come to pay your respects to my father, or to bring me documents or a check from First Tri-State, please call me some other time. Sure. If I can do it before you return to where you belong. The halls of MIT are more of a home than this place ever was. Sure, sure. Maybe you'll stick around and become a teacher. What an odd statement. You know, I never asked what you were studying for your PhD. What do they do at MIT these days? Government research around psychedelics? This is the atomic age. My dissertation is concerned with the use of high energy particles for industrial processes. Uh-huh. Maybe some process that involves pipes, wires, diamonds, chemicals, and one state-of-the-art automatic industrial oven. That's absurd. Is it? I've already gotten part of your formula from Jonas George and another piece from Mary Duckworth. I have a suspicion if we interrogate the staff of the first Tri-State's other clients, I'll get more of the same. You've lost your mind, Finn. Oh uh, yeah? Read it and weep. Wh where did you get this? I told you. Jonas George. You, sir, are a liar. That man can barely tie his own shoes. Tell me where you got this. Maybe you think this is something. 
Wait until I show you what Mary Duckworth wrote out after we mentioned your name. Finn, do you, do you know what this is? Maybe a recipe for an A-bomb? <laughs> you may be correct. Come inside right now. Normally, an invitation into the home of my chief suspect is something I would decline without police backup en route. But my years of being an insurance investigator have also made me a good judge of character. When I saw the shock on the face of Roderick Van Houten, my first thought was I had him pegged. But then I saw the absolute joy creep onto his features as he reread the formulas, muttering to himself. We blew past his bewildered relatives, all decked out in their best black clothes, and into the den. In the absence of a blackboard, he started writing on the wall with a marker. Finn, do, do you know what this is? I didn't say a thing. Just watched him as he consulted the papers I had brought, and books that he pulled from the shelf. I kept an eye on the clock, wondering when you'd show up. An hour later, Roderick stepped back from the wall, admiring his work like a painter who had just finished a mural. It's beautiful, isn't it? I'm more partial to Rothko's. What am I looking at? Well, large portions are missing, but do you see this here? Uh, yep. This is the anode of palladium, and this is nickel. Here is the heavy water, at standard temperature and pressure. Huh. Whatever you say. And this, at the very end. These letters represent an electric current at this voltage. Cut to the chase. Mr. Finn, what you brought to me today is an incomplete formula to describe the fusion of hydrogen into helium at room temperature. Fusion? Like those super bombs Uncle Sam is testing in the Pacific? This is completely alien chemistry. I've never imagined something like this before. No fission primary, no critical mass. It's something to do with the palladium anode. Palladium? The manifest of the theft from United Chemical was a load of palladium, and nickel, and that heavy water, whatever that is. Fuel, Mr. Finn, for a super bomb, as you put it. One that could wipe all of New York from the map. Ah, uh, that's probably for me. Mr. Wallace from your insurance company was supposed to join me here. Ready, Finn? Roderick Van Houten, the third. Marcellus. Marcellus? Where have you been? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I need you to get in touch with the police. Mark, are you feeling all right? You sound strange. Yeah? What lesson is that? How to end this world. Mark? Mark. Mark. We ran out the back door. As I shouted instructions to Roderick's frankly terrified mother to call Sergeant Fushili and tell him to meet us at the Museum of Human History. Step on it, Roderick. We've got to get to the museum before it's too late. If the heavy water was delivered last night, then they may have had enough time to assemble the device already. I certainly could have done it by now. Just be ready to disassemble it once we get inside. I'm not convinced that it will work anyway. Those formulas go against decades of atomic theory. No matter what, I need to get inside and find evidence to help my client. So what do we do? 
rush in, guns blazing. Even if I had a gun, there's possibly hypnotized hostages inside, including the aforementioned client. Well, then what do we do? We can't just walk in through the front door. Ah, you've returned. I sure did. And I brought an offering. Meet Roderick Van Houten III. You are the chosen one the teacher has spoken of. You should be honored. No, I don't want to be some offering. Just play along. What makes you say that? Because you're the man that will end the world. How would Philip let us into what he called his museum? It was cramped, dingy, and tacky. Grotesque, dusty artifacts sat on shelves, along with moldy old books and disturbing paintings on the walls. This is an interesting collection, but I don't understand why you keep the front doors locked. Yeah, it must be hard to run a museum where you don't allow any patrons. Please understand that this is my life's work, and until earlier this week, I shared it with the like-minded for a modest fee. But there was an incident earlier in the week. A patron knocked a priceless artifact onto the floor, spilling the contents everywhere. Then he had the nerve to steal it. I despise this city. Sounds terrible. Do you have insurance to cover it? Because if not, I happen to know just the guy. He was chosen to become the new oracle of the teacher. It was a role I had long desired, but no matter. My solemn duty was to repair the museum and prepare for new disciples. He stood next to a bare floor where the carpet had been cut away. Cheap frames on the wall held drawings of these artifacts being used by some rather savage tribesmen. One being represented by a leering department store mannequin decked out in shabby furs and a loincloth. It was clear that there had been a pair. The depression in the carpet from the missing mannequin, the one that ended up in the dumpster, was still apparent. Likewise, on a shelf to the side displaying the strange bowls and tools, one of the artifacts was conspicuous in its absence. One of the drawings showed me what the missing item looked like. She was sprinkling dust from a little bowl that was very distinctive and familiar. I had seen it before, in your office yesterday afternoon, Marcellus. We had to keep Howard occupied until the cavalry arrived, so I gave a sign to Roderick to keep our host talking. Uh, tell us about this woman. She appears to be some kind of priestess? A prophet of the ancient, unfathomable, inhuman Oannes. The monster that cursed humanity with knowledge. Huh. Like the apple in the Garden of Eden. No, he's very real. And he is very eager to meet you. Howard's face was unreadable, but I noticed the change in his body language. He became tense. How could we not? Lead the way. He escorted us the short distance to the back wall of the museum. We walked past some yellowed old skulls, crude tribal trinkets, and some elaborate and quite sinister oil paintings of some monarch or another. A door marked staff only that must have led to the back room was just out of reach. Something big and misshapen was covered by a dingy black sheet. Every instinct told me to turn and run as fast as my feet could take me, 
but every second we played along was buying time for the police to arrive. Howard looked at us both, and he yanked away the fabric. Underneath was an old limestone block. I guess all the marks and chips were some kind of writing. Carved into the center was the image of a bearded man with a fish tail. With a fish tail? I present to you the creator and destroyer of the world, the teacher. Howard wasn't talking to either of us. He was talking to the carved... I made eye contact with Roderick and motioned towards the front of the museum. He took a moment, and then I could see he understood my plan. He taught us everything. Mathematics, science, agriculture. But we have squandered these gifts. Our society has grown bloated and slovenly, too sick to survive. We have turned our back on him and now face an existential crisis. Roderick slipped silently towards the front of the museum while Howard monologued. I kept the conversation going. Oh, definitely. Like someday the Reds could come marching down Times Square. How dare you. The Soviets are no threat to our survival. The previous war was the last chance for our race, and we were found wanting. I had heard this rant before, 20 years ago. I was sick of it then. The difference was, maybe this guy had a fusion bomb, and at the very least, some hostages stashed in this office. He was definitely off his rocker, cursing and pleading at the carving. It fell upon my shoulders to take action. It took years of effort, and the last of my meager inheritance to bring the god Oannes from the Baghdad Antiquities Museum to New York, this new Gomorrah. Ah, uh, this Oannes sounds like a real stand-up chap. I... I can accept not being his oracle, but I should be the one to enact the end of the world, not this... this failed baker. Howard's rant was interrupted by a crash from the front. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Strewn along the floor near the entrance was a pile of old grass and bird skeletons. Howard gasped and ran to gather the shards together. You fool! How could you? This is a priceless Benandanti relic on loan from Miskatonic University. While he was distracted, I went through the door marked staff only. Immediately as I walked in, I saw the device. The stolen items with Wondercrust's oven as the heart of it all, combined together into what I can only describe as a piece of modern art. But brother, this wasn't something from the Guggenheim. It looked more like something dragged from a Hollywood set or Los Alamos. Lights blinked and fluid bubbled in a big glass tank that had been added to the middle, and the whole thing hummed with power. At that point, I still had no sign of you, Mark, or any of the other hostages, but I had the confirmation I needed. The back doors were locked tight, so I needed to slip back into the museum undetected and wait for Sergeant Fushili, maybe the FBI and the Army. I turned to leave and bumped right into you, Marcellus. You had that same blank, dumb smile that Mary Duckworth showed in the hospital. Something here was very wrong. I had to get out of this room, but I was surrounded by the people I had come to rescue. There was Jonas George and four others I didn't recognize. All of you looking like the world's happiest zombies. Everyone grabbed me, and try as I could, I couldn't overpower all of you. 
You pulled that little jar from your pocket, pinched some dust, and <coughs> blew it into my face. <coughs> Everyone grabbed me, and try as I could, I couldn't overpower all of you. <coughs> the room began to spin. The room began to spin, and I could smell fish. Everything turned blurry and dark. A man I hadn't seen before stepped out from behind the device, walking towards us. A huge man with a thick beard. I blacked out as a webbed hand covered my face. Frederick Nelson Finn. Uh, who's there? I've been known by many names. Oh, that's great. Now I'm as daffy as that joker barking at the rocks. A deeply troubled lost soul. Please take mercy on him. He sacrificed so much in a misguided effort to bring me here. To find answers that I must refuse to provide. He hates me because I love all humans. Yeah? Maybe I'm not too fond of you myself. What about all the people that are going to die when the bomb goes off? Any technology can be misused. The concepts of algebra that I introduced to your ancestors can drop fire from the sky onto children. But it has also created bountiful harvests, beautiful arts, and brought life to every barren corner of the planet. I've seen it. Even New Yorkers aren't so jaded that they'd ignore a giant fish man walking around Times Square. <laughs> I am not of your world, nor entirely of your dimension. The spores ritually consume, expand your human consciousness and enable our communication. Spores? Yes. The dust? In your distant past, my acolytes used it to commune with me. But this affair was entirely by accident. I fear that the time that I have spent in isolation and with no humans to communicate with caused me to act rather rashly upon meeting the ones called Marcellus Watkins and Howard Phillips. You took over their minds and used them to recruit others to build this device of yours. Mm, a harsh accusation, but from a certain perspective, unfortunately true. Using their knowledge, I determined the most valuable gift I could provide to your species with the resources available and the time that I have left. Certain perspective. Brother, you took over the minds of those poor people and manipulated them into building a nuke for that Nazi in the front of the museum. Indeed, That's a hell of a legacy. It was the revelation of your atomic weapons and electricity generation that inspired me. If you continue on this path, the best case scenario is insidious pollution and tragedy. The worst case scenario is the fiery oblivion that you have already begun to ponder in your hearts. I'm sick of hearing that. Sure, the planet has its problems, some bad eggs. But we'll keep fighting to be free and follow our dreams. I'm not going to stand here and let you or someone else destroy it. Come, come on, fight me like a man. I wish to prevent both possibilities. I do not any longer have the power to compel you to help me. So I will instead simply ask. Yeah? What can a simple insurance investigator do that a psychic fish god can't? Ignorance is the natural beginning of the state of all intelligent beings. But 
the youth and help him. He has the potential to interpret the science and mathematics of my gift. I wish that I could guide him myself, but my time is at an end. When I return to dust, the history will be complete. Please ensure my legacy is one of peace. I woke up with a start, standing in front of the sandstone carving of the Babylonian fishman. Hey, uh, Earth the Finn. Sergeant, when did you get here? Uh, just now. Uh, where's everybody else? Come with me. I led the sergeant into the back room and the sound of a scuffle. Van Houten and Howard were fighting to keep each other away from a big switch wired to the device, and, well, it would have been comical if the fate of the city wasn't in the balance. Oh, for the love of... Knock it off, you two, police! Papers filled with handwritten notes were scattered everywhere. There was no sign of you, Marcellus, nor anyone else who had been under the influence of... Oannis. O-O-Oannis? Howard may have been a scrawny little guy, but he managed to land a lucky haymaker right across Roderick's jaw, sending him reeling. Panting, Howard grabbed the big handle of the switch. Don't do it! I have brought you all the way here. I have witnessed your glory. I only wish to serve. Ah. The sergeant's shot winged Howard in the shoulder, but he was like a man possessed. You madman! You'll kill us all! With his teeth gritted, pulled the switch as he crumpled to the floor. The machine came fully to life, filling the room with a warm light. The three of us took cover behind a shipping crate. Not that it would have made one iota of difference. The sergeant muttered a prayer and made the sign of the cross. And then, after another moment, we realized that we were all still here. The electric lights in the storage room were on, and machinery was running. Lights that were still in storage boxes and machinery that was not plugged into the wall. Huh. Well, that's something you don't see every day. With that famous New York nonchalance, Sergeant Fushili went to check on the wounded Howard. A bruised Roderick Van Houten was examining papers, mouth agape. Finn, these equations, it finally makes sense. If it does, it'll be the first thing today that does. This device performs fusion of hydrogen to helium at room temperature, with only the products being electricity, water, and this rather novel electromagnetic field. But, my God. It's going to take years for me to decipher the formula on these notes, if I even can. Well, he said if anyone can do it, it'd be you. He... who? Never mind, I don't want to know. Finn, what I have in my hand could change the world. And maybe it will someday. The optimist in me thinks that it will. Maybe we'll have that Buck Rogers future of flying cars, endless leisure, and world peace. The coal miners will be out of work, but hopefully, the world will still need insurance investigators. Additional notes as follows. I'm sure that Van Houten is a lot happier back at MIT, and Wondercrust under new management seems to be running just fine. Jonas George sent me a telegram to let me know that they even gave him his job back. When you have the chance, Check in on Mary Duckworth and make sure she's okay. I don't know what kind of influence Dr. Wakestoke has over the police, but after his testimony about the behavior of people inadvertently exposed to natural psychedelics, 
Well, I'm glad to hear no one was charged in this strange affair. Especially you, Marcellus. Why, even Howard Phillips seems to have come out on top. I've heard from a friend in the literary business that Howard's first successful novel has been a hit on the shelves. A fantastical story about a half-man, half-fish that saves Western civilization. As for me, the lovely Lucinda caught a flight and we spent a wonderful long weekend in New York City. Don't forget, you said you could pad my expense account if I helped you resolve this case. We'll just say... Item 16. $250 even. Incidentals. She managed to seduce a sanitized version of this caper out of me after a few drinks. But don't worry. All names were changed to protect the innocent. And I left out the parts about drug-induced conversations with a god that lives in a rock. Which, according to Dr. Wakestoke, is currently on a steamer headed back home to Persia. Expense total, including item 18. My return ticket to Chicago, same as item 2, $998.33. Since those men in dark suits hauled away the device, I suppose there's no commission on this caper for me. But it makes for one heck of a story. Sincerely, Freddy Finn. If you liked today's recording, please like and favorite us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can find us at coffeecontrails.com. Thanks.